All right, so today we're going to be jumping into Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be talking about the fivefold gifts that Jesus gave to his church. I love this message. This is one of my favorite messages. I think if you poke me and I start bleeding, I'm going to bleed fivefold ministry, right? Uh, this is a deep, deep piece of my DNA. Today, we are not going super in-depth into what the gifts are and how they fit for you specifically. Today, I feel like the Lord just has a snapshot for us to pay attention to and a little kick in the pants to get moving forward, okay? So we have probably taught on this at least half a dozen times. If you are hungry for more, if you want to understand more, I have plenty of podcasts we can point you to, plenty of books we can point you to, and I would encourage you, if this is a new concept to you, take some time to dig into it and understand. Most people believe that the fivefold ministry is for like the apostles and the prophets, right? The big shots and the church leadership, the point oh 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 one percent of people in the world. But you're going to find out as you read the Bible today, that's not the case. It's for everybody. Say hallelujah. All right, so open up to Ephesians chapter four. Take your pick of translation because I'm probably going to read from it in just a moment. Are you ready? This is the kingdom translation, which you've probably never heard of. It's my favorite translation. I'm going to start here, and then we'll go through a few different ones. Okay, 4 verse 7. But grace was given to each one. Say each one. According to the measure the king used when he was distributing gifts. That's why it says, when he went up on high, he led bondage itself into bondage. He gave gifts to people. Verse 9. When it says here that he went up, what this means is that he also came down into the lower places, that is the earth. The one who came down is also the one who went up, yes, above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. So these were the gifts that he gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service, say their work of service. And so to build up the king's body. The purpose of this is that we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty and in knowing God's son. And then we shall reach the stature of mature man measured by the standards of the king's fullness. Verse 14. As a result, we won't be babies any longer. Say amen. And we won't be thrown this way and that way on a stormy sea, blown about by every gust of teaching, by human tricksters, by their cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, we must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything into him, that is, into the king who is the head. And he supplies the growth that the whole body needs, linked as it is together by every joint which supports it, which each member doing its own proper work. Then the body builds itself up in love. All right, go back to verse 7. Let's read it in uh, the message translation, if I can sort of find it. It says, but that doesn't mean that you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us, say each of us, is given his own gift. Okay? Out of the generosity of Christ, each person is given his own gift. Now let's look at King James. Let me pull it up on my phone here. King James verse 7. But unto every one of us, say every one of us, is given grace according to the measure, say measure, of the gift of Christ. All right? Every single person has this. The Passion Translation, verse 7. And he has generously given each one of us, thank you, supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. All right, and one more translation for you, if I can get my app to go back to normal. 
guys. English Standard Version, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us, say each one, according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right. So what does that mean? Does that mean that only the point oh 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 have this gifting of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Okay, does that mean that every single person in the room has these giftings inside of them? Yes. Let me say it again. Does everybody have these giftings inside of them? Thank you. So this is great news for you today. All right. What I want us to pay attention to is that when Jesus, it says that Jesus, he went up into the heavenlies and he was exalted in that place. So here's the story. Jesus dies on the cross. Okay. He goes into the belly of the earth, just like Jonah went into the belly of the whale. Jesus goes into the belly of the earth, and he goes into the place of Hades. Jesus himself talks about a story earlier on in his ministry where there's this place called Abraham's bosom. Anybody ever heard of Abraham's bosom? All right. Um, So Abraham's bosom was a place inside of the earth. And this is the place where righteous people who believed in God and trusted in God before Jesus came, this is like the holding place for them. But they are captive in this place. So Abraham is there and God's holy saints are there in Abraham's bosom inside the earth before Jesus comes. Jesus talks about how there's this huge cavern, uh, chasm, that's the word, between Abraham's bosom and there's a man that, that goes down into Hades and to hell and he looks across this huge chasm and he says please give me a drink of water and no man can cross right okay so Abraham's bosom Jesus goes down into the earth he takes the keys from Abraham's bosom he takes the keys of death he unlocks the gate he takes captivity captive with him and he brings them all up into all of eternity to be right there with God the Father in eternity amen So in this moment of Jesus being highly exalted, at this moment, this is probably uh, the point in Jesus' life where he is receiving the most praise that he's ever experienced before. You think that's true? He's coming up. He's rising up into the heavenlies after he's defeated death. He's done his purpose, and he's being highly exalted. And when he's being highly exalted, what's he doing? You get a gift. You get a gift. You get a gift. You get a gift. Everybody gets a gift, right? Raise your hand if you've ever known a rich person who loves to give good gifts. I have. We had some friends in Norman. They were college-age students, and you would have a birthday, and if you were friends with them or just like this much friends with them, all your friends would be like, happy birthday, you get a high five, or happy birthday, you get a Coke. And they'd be like, happy birthday, I bought you a $200 North Face jacket and a 300 pair of Uggs. We are like, what? <laughs> I want to be their friend. They give great gifts. There was another friend, they had done extremely well for themselves, and sometimes uh, you would hear stories of people hanging out with this lady, and she'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Forget that work. Let's go, let's go shop. And she'd go take them shopping, and she'd go spend hundreds of dollars on her friends just because she loved to give good gifts. Amen? Who knows that your Father in Heaven loves to give good gifts? Who knows that Jesus himself loves to give good gifts? So Jesus is going up from the grave and he's giving out gifts, amazing gifts in this moment. And he's not giving sparingly, he's giving out of his own generosity. Say hallelujah. So he's giving out of his generosity the things that he's been given and he gives it to you and 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 and every person. Amen? What I love about this and I think is fascinating is the Bible doesn't say that Jesus gave gifts to all believers. Jesus gave gifts to all of mankind. 
Okay, And so he's given these gifts to people, and there are people who do not love Jesus who are operating in their apostolic gifting and in their prophetic gifting and in their evangelistic gifting and their shepherding gifting and their teaching gifting. And so you see it creep out every so often and be like, oh my goodness, he's an apostle and he hates Jesus. Because Jesus gave gifts to all mankind because his intention is that all are with him in eternity. Is that right? And he wants these giftings working together for God's glory and for God's purpose. Okay? So say, I have these gifts. Again, we're not digging deep into it today. But the idea is that you, inside of you, have the DNA of Jesus in your being. Jesus gave these gifts and he put this DNA inside of you. I believe all of us have the DNA of Jesus himself, which, of course, he was all of these giftings. I believe that for most people, it ends up being a primary gifting, kind of one or two things that is your default, that you most often find yourself operating out of, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And I think of them like uh, personalities, okay? So anybody ever done the Myers-Briggs? Okay? So maybe you're a QDPTY. Um, Maybe you're a BBCO... I don't know, but um, it's like that. These fivefold giftings, they're like your personality. They're, they center you. They're in your being of who you are, okay? So when you think through these gifts, you're going to operate out of that place. And sometimes I've found that the Lord will train you in one gift. Maybe your uh, primary gifting is apostle, but God will train you in a gift of evangelist for a season because he wants you to be mature in all things. And he'll pull you up this way, and then he'll put that one down, and now you'll find this one operating out of your just general thinking more often. And then he'll pull you up in another one, and he'll train you along the way. But you generally default back to one or two of these giftings, okay? We're not getting into all of that today. If you're interested, go listen to all the other stuff that we've done in the past. Amen? But here's what I want us to to pay attention to. The gifting is for every single person, all right? Let's read what it says again. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure the king used when he was distributing gifts. And that's why it says, when he went up on high, he led bondage itself into bondage. And he gave gifts to people. And when it says here that he went up with this means that he also came down in the lower place, that is the earth. The one who came down is also the one who went up, yes, above the heavens, so they might fill all things. Verse 11, so these were the gifts that he gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors, other teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service, okay? So let's briefly go through each of these, all right? So when you have a specific gifting, you have a new filter, or you have a new way of thinking and seeing. When I do not have these on, I see in a specific way. When I put these on, I see in a completely different way, all right? So the apostle gift, I love that I can stand in front of you and I can boldly proclaim I have a primary gifting of apostle. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't feel like that's weird to say. I am very confident in what God's given me. Why? Because for years, it was a strange thing. And probably for most of you in the room, you've grown up thinking like, oh, I can't, oh, we can't say that word here. Or, oh, only the apostle, you have to plant like 6,000 churches first, right? Or, oh, the prophet, you have to be like William Branham and hear from God 100% of the time, every time. Or if you're an evangelist, you've got to be Billy Graham. I want us today to take that completely down to the ground. Because is it true that some are extremely anointed for specific purposes of God in the earth? Yes. Billy Graham was 
an amazingly, powerfully uh, anointed evangelist that changed the world forever, right? But you can be an evangelist too, and if you think being an evangelist is being that, you will never be confident to be able to say, I have the gift of evangelist. Am I right? And so it's, it's especially true for apostle or prophet or shepherd. I mean, it's, I think it's true across the board. So knock that down and realize what the Bible says, that he gave gifts to everyone, and you have these gifts inside of you. So we need to identify what are they in you so that you can do what God called you to do. Amen? All right. So my apostle prophet, my, my apostle glasses are on. And so the uh, apostle... They're the pioneers. The word apostle came from the days of the Romans. And Rome was conquering all these different lands all over the place. And Rome was the height of the world, the height of civilization. And whenever they would look across the map and they would say, I want to conquer that place. They would take a ship of people and they would load up a ship and they would take all of the best pieces of Rome and they would drop it onto the ship. They would take the best artists, the best musicians, the best teachers, the best philosophers, the best politicians, the best builders, the best army guys. They would take the best and just take a sampling and put it on the ship. And then they would send the ship out with some other ships and the first ship there to the new place was called the Apostle Ship. Okay, so the apostle ship shows up into the new land and the purpose was to take the culture of the kingdom of Rome and plant it into a new place. It was to infuse the new place with culture. So all of a sudden they begin living like they live in Rome in the new place, in this foreign land. And as they live and they enjoy their life, all the people begin to watch and they're like, wow, that food is really good. Wow, that music is really good. Oh my goodness, I love how you guys do this. And they begin to make friends and people enjoy the culture and it begins to warm up this country to the ways of the other kingdom, all right? So they do this for a little while and then at a certain point in the future, Rome says, um, knock, 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 country. Hey, good news, uh, we're coming. We're coming with several thousand centurions. We're going to take over the country. You have two choices. You can join us and live like we do. Isn't this awesome? Or we can just come and wipe everybody out and make you all slaves. Which one do you pick? And then they're like, well, heck, I mean, I really kind of like how you live. So sure, let's do it. And they would volunteer themselves to become a part of the Roman Empire. It's brilliant. And so Jesus, when he appoints apostles, to go be apostle ships into this new territory, bringing the kingdom of God, bringing the culture that he brought with him to influence this society. That's exactly what he was doing. And so an apostle, if you have an apostle gift inside of you, you're likely a pioneer. And God wants to use you to move things forward and to push things into new realms, to knock down walls and open things up. Amen? All right. So that's the uh, apostle now, the prophet has a different lens, okay? Y'all saw that one coming. The prophet has a completely different lens. I am not a prophet in the, like, the, I can't even, can't even close my fingers enough. Um, but that's not me. But the prophet, their job is to see what is God doing? What is God proclaiming? What is his desire? And they're the mouthpiece of what is God wanting on the earth? Okay, for me personally, I am like, I got my glasses on, and I'm like building something. I'm doing something like right here. And Rachel has this prophetic gifting, and she's like, oh, my gosh, Grant, look up there. And I'm like, 
I can't look up there. I'm worried. What are you? Shush. Be, be quiet. She's like, no, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. And she's like, wow, this is amazing. You see what God's going to do. Wow, this is so good. And I'm like, babe, do some work. Come on. You know, <laughs> this is how it works. Can I get an amen? All right. So, but the prophet is so incredibly helpful on the earth. Uh, Ted and I were talking on Friday about this new wave of church across the globe. And that God has been speaking to prophets for several years now about him wanting to do a new type of church across the globe. And thankfully, I'm glad I think we're a part of that wave, okay? He's doing a completely different thing with the church in these days. And it's the prophets who are seeing this thing way the heck out there. Elijah, he's on the mountain and he's crying and he's asking God for rain and he's looking and there's no clouds. He's looking and there's no clouds. He's looking and there's no clouds and he sees a cloud the size of a man's fist and he says, that's it. That is the role of a prophet, okay, to get the people ready. So if you're a prophet, I love you. I don't understand you much, but I love you. I'm thankful for you. Tell your stuff to Rachel. Okay, then... <laughs> I'm kidding. Tell me everything. I'll just smile and nod. Then the evangelists are like super cool. They're like, what's up, man? They're like awesome. Everybody wants to be like them. They draw people into what God is doing. And they, here's the deal. Evangelists are so unbelievably important because what good is a prophet or an, an apostle or a shepherd or a teacher without people? What good is it? It's a total waste of time. We desperately need evangelists. And so I think what evangelists do, and okay, I promise I am like butchering these descriptions, so please go back. If you're really truly interested for the truth, go back and listen to other stuff. But for this one, the evangelists, they like normalize God, and they draw people in, and they're communicating what is God doing, and they get people excited about what God is doing, and they pull them in. We love evangelists. We need many, many more evangelists. Amen? The shepherd, okay, shepherd's red because the shepherd, when they look, they see people's hearts. They see the, the lifeblood inside of people, and that is what they care about. They're constantly focused on the person's heart. That's all that they want to do. That's all they want to help. And so I love shepherds because they, they pastor people extremely well because in the kingdom of God, it can be extremely intense, God speaking and doing things and, and doing things over here. But also, guys, like, life is hard, and life stinks a lot of times. And so you have the apostles who are like, don't worry about your life. Just do this. Come on, come on. And the, the prophets are like, oh, but, you know, I don't even know. But, <laughs> but, but the shepherds, they pull it all together, and they love people, and they help them, like, connect the two worlds together so that people can make it to the finish line. I kind of view shepherds like the people, uh, if you're running a marathon and you're running, 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 you'll never find me doing a marathon, but I just imagine if you're running, 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 there's people on the side of the road and they hand you a drink, they hand you water, they keep you going so that you have what it takes to make it to the end, especially when it gets hard, all right? I love you shepherds. You guys are amazing. I'm very thankful for you. Then the teachers, these guys are so cool. The teachers, they love to dig into truth. The, the teachers are like gold miners. They go find the word of God. They go find history and all these things that God's done, and they just like dig and, and look around and filter. They'll take a huge mountain of dirt, 
and filter through it so that they can find this tiny little diamond or this tiny little bit of gold. And then they pull it out and they share it with all to see and to enjoy and to experience and to understand a deeper part of the Father's heart. I love teachers, okay? So, guess what? You guys are one of these things. Every single person in the room, he didn't give a whole bunch of other gifts here. These are the gifts that he gave you. That means that all of you guys are one of these things. Amen? If you don't know which of these things you primarily are, I beg of you, start asking God. And he would love to tell you. He would love to help you. Because it's extremely important for you to know and for you to get to the place where you are comfortable in what God has gifted you in so that you can do the things that God's called you. Because these gifts are so that you can do the work that he's called you to, okay? They're not for the church leaders to do the work to then equip everybody. They are for you to do your work, all right? You get rewarded greatly in the kingdom of God for your work. So find out what it is and do your work and be greatly rewarded. Amen? Okay, so let's move on to verse 12. It says their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service and so to build up the king's body. I'm going to read from the message here for just a quick second because I really like how he says it. He says he hands out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. I love this. Say skilled work. There's something tremendous to be said about skilled laborers, okay? Randy builds pools. I think he can attest a skilled laborer is worth their weight in gold, okay? There's something to be said if you have a skill and you can put it to work for the king of kings, all right? And that's what God wants you to do. So let's continue reading. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service and so to build up the king's body. The purpose of this is that we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty and in knowing God's son. Then we shall reach the stature of the mature man measured by the standards of the king's fullness. Okay, So these gifts, they begin to work together and help everybody else to become mature and raise each other up in Christ. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. It says this, He did this in order to present the church to himself in brilliant splendor, without a single spot or blemish or anything of the kind, that it might be holy and without blame. Amen? So you guys know that Jesus is coming back for a pure, spotless bride. And the purpose of the gifts that Jesus gave to us is so that we should all reach into unity and in our belief and loyalty and knowing God's Son, and then we shall reach the stature of the mature man measured by the standards of the king's fullness. As a result, we won't be babies any longer. We won't be thrown this way and that way by a stormy sea, blown about by every gust of teaching, by human tricksters, by their cunning, deceitful scheming. Instead, we must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything into him, that is, into the king who is the head. Okay? Are you catching it? So Jesus is coming back for this pure, spotless bride. And the gifts that he gave to the church are to help the bride become pure, spotless, mature, everything that she's supposed to be so that everybody is doing the task that they're supposed to do. The Lord gave me two analogies as, as I was getting ready for this message. 
And one is that the father, he is like the most amazing wedding planner in all of history, okay? So a wedding planner, if royalty is getting married, a wedding planner has got so much to think about. They're thinking through where is the venue? How many seats do we have? What, what type of seats do we have? What color are the type of seats that we have? What kind of decorations are going to go on the seats with a specific color? And does the color match the other color that we picked out for the chairs? And then once we have that figured out, then what kind of color are the people going to be wearing? And then what's the order of the procession? And how do we get people where they belong? How do we get people out where they belong? And who's going to do the ceremony? And who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Where are they going to go when it's done? What kind of food are we going to have? Is it going to be fried? Is it going to be grilled? There's going to be all these things. Then they start thinking through invitations. Okay, is it going to be vellum? Is it going to be uh, linen? Is it going to be cotton? What kind of invitation? Then what kind of font is it going to be? What color is it going to be? And then is it going to be like two pages or three pages or whole punch? Is it going to be like a bow on top? Is there going to be uh, envelopes to go into? Are we going to mail a box? What are we going to do? How are we going to, are we going to send storks to get these invitations to people? There's so much to think through for a wedding planner. And a good wedding planner is really good at delegating tasks to people. The father is getting ready for the ultimate wedding of all history, okay? And he's getting the church ready so that she is pure and spotless, and we are going to party like it's 1999. <laughs> Hopefully better than that. Because uh, I, 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 yeah, I didn't party that night. I was like on the floor praying like, oh, God, don't, don't let anything burn down, you know. I was at my, my church. Like the whole church is there praying. <laughs> um, so... Okay, where are we? Uh, wedding feasts. God's a planner. So a, a God, he has tasks to do. He has projects to do. And he needs his people to do it. And he gave gifts so that people can learn how to do it. Do you know that God delights in working with delightful people? All right? God delights in working with delightful people. Okay? If God is like, hey, I'm working on this big goal. I got a project for you. Do you think you could take the trash out for me? And you're like, Ugh. and you're like my children sometimes. God doesn't delight in that, okay? He may not ask you to take the trash out again. He might be like, you know what? It's cool. You know, like I got somebody else. We'll ask them to come up and do that, right? God delights working with delightful people. And so if you have a joyful heart, it's very likely God's going to ask you to do a lot of stuff. And guess what? When you do a lot of stuff for God, you get greatly rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So if you want a giant mansion, you should, you know, delight. I'm, I'm joking. I'm like, part, you know, some theology, some not. Okay, back to where we are. So God delights in delightful people. But that's not all there is to it. Because, uh, like I said, I love how the message says skilled people. Because I can hire delightful people all day long to do things for me with real estate. And delightful people, if they don't know what they're doing, they make my life not delightful. Is that right? So God loves to work with delightful people who also are highly skilled and they are confident in what they can do and they're able to accomplish the task that's given to them. My favorite people in real estate to work with, I can pick up the phone and I say, hey, I need this taken care of and I never think about it again and I know it's taken care of, right? 
That's what God is looking for inside of you guys. So he's longing for you to understand the gifting that he gave to you and to develop it to the point where he can call you up and say, i got a project for you. Can you handle this? No problem, God. I'd be happy to click. And you do it to the fullest of your ability, joyfully, with high, high skill. So it's exactly what God expects. And then you come back to God and say, hey, it's done. What else can I do for you? That's what he's looking for, okay? So he gave me another analogy, which was, um, you know, we're talking about gifts. All of my, my children's best things that they've ever received are, have never been connected with things that they do, checking off lists or, or doing things, accomplishing things. And this, you know, I'm sure this isn't true for everybody, but for me, the times we bless their socks off has nothing to do with what they did. It's just because I love them. Rachel loves them so much. We just can't wait to bless their socks off. So this last week, Rachel, uh, Eli, Rachel turns 11 this last week, and it was really cute. She, like, blew out the candles. No, Eli turns 11 this last week. We had a little party, and we gave him some stuff on his actual birthday. It was during the week. We gave him some great gifts, and he was really excited and, and whatnot, but we saved one gift as a big surprise. So then he had a party on Friday night with his ridiculously loud fifth-grade boys, and they were there at our house, and, and it's, it's gift time. He's opened up their gifts. He's excited. I'm like, Eli, I got one more gift has nothing to do with anything he did. He did not earn it. We just wanted to knock his socks off. And I said, close your eyes. Put your hands out. So everybody, close your eyes. Put your hands out. Okay, now you can open your eyes, but keep your hands out. And I snuck up behind Eli, and I put the gift. It was unwrapped in his hands. And so I said, all right, buddy, open your eyes. And he opens his eyes, and he freaks out. He's like, oh, and he, like, crumbles to the ground. It was so cool. It was an Oculus Go virtual reality headset. Anybody have one of those? Okay. Oh, what's up? Bala. Okay. Anybody ever heard of it? Anybody not heard of it? Okay. Yeah, thank you. So it's virtual reality, and it's a great analogy of you being physically in the room today, and you put the headset on, and you are in a completely different world, like the heavenlies. Okay. Um, so he puts his headset on. I was playing one of the games. Most of the games are like so simple and, you know, $5 little games. I was playing one of them to make sure it was appropriate for him to play. And this game is called Esther. Uh, Esther to Esper, I don't know, something too. And so you grab a box and you move a box here and you grab a ball and you move a ball here and you got to shoot a target and you accomplish these little tasks. And then you go to the next level and after a little bit, there's a final exam and the lady's like, I can't help you, but good luck, you know, and you're in this level, the do you're in an elevator, the doors open and you got to move this ball to there and then you got to put the box there and then this thing opens up and then it, and you can move the ball a little bit farther and you got to take that thing off, put it in that box and then close it and open And it's like this big puzzle. It's really, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But at a certain point, you get to this point in the first level where you cannot do anything else. It doesn't work anymore. You've tried everything possible. And so then this lady comes on and says, oh, my gosh, the fuse is broken. You have to go to level two. And so you, she's not creepy. She's like, you know, whatever. Anyway, you push number two, and then you go to level two. And now the doors open again, and there's a brand new game that you got to try to figure out how all these things go. So it's a completely new world. It's a completely new game, but it's 100% completely tied to the level down below. So then you go get this piece that you end up needing. You finally win that, get your piece, go back downstairs, plug it in, and now it's working. Now you can advance a little bit farther. But then you have to go up to like level four, and now you've got to grab this other thing. And there is all these levels and all these games 
fully tied together but seemingly have nothing to do with each other. Do you know that God is very much like this? So sometimes God will tell you, hey, I need you to do this. And you're like, huh? Why would you want me to, what's, what good is that? No, God, give me something cool. Like, come on, I want to do something amazing. And he's like, you know what? I need you to do this. Will you do it? And if you are delightful, he will give it to you and you can go and do that thing. Oftentimes the things that God calls you to do, are, they seem like they don't make any sense. You seem like you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're like, God, why am I doing this? Why am I reading Psalms 91 for six months straight? God, why am I, uh, like right now for me, I'm learning about leverage and how if you learn how to leverage well, you win. So, but it's been months and months and months I'm learning the same thing. Like, God, what are we doing over here? Let's get some people saved. Let's see some healing, you know. But God's like, no, just focus on what I'm teaching you. So God is like this. Oftentimes, he gives you a task. And he needs you to go and wholeheartedly Complete that task with high levels of skill. Sometimes you don't have the skill you need to complete the task. And so he wants you to go and spend time learning whatever it is so that then he can give you a task and you can go and fully complete that task and come back. And God is totally cool letting you be on your own time frame. So for some people, he says, hey, I want you to do this. And they're like, okay, and they're not skilled. And he's like, well, if you want to be skilled, here's how to do it. And they take five years to get through this one task. And then they finally come back, and they get a little reward for that one task. But some people are like, I'm going to figure it out. And God gives them a task. They figure it out. They go. They come back. And God's just giving them thing after thing after thing. And you're like, wow, how are they doing so much in the kingdom of God? And look at me. I'm just sitting here like wasting away God do something this is how it works he needs highly skilled people who are delightful that are saying yes sir earlier in the chapter uh, in the King James it says that he gave gifts to people for the work of ministry the word ministry in the Greek it means uh, the person who does the will of another okay the person who does the will of another what's another word for the person who does what somebody else tells them to do all the time slave a servant you want to be a minister for the king of kings fantastic what that means is that you are god's slave amen and there's no better life than serving the king of kings right so god's looking for people who are highly skilled delightful and they they're confident in their gifts that he's given them and they love to use them for his glory and as you do one thing, it feels like it doesn't connect. But really, he can't do what he wants to do over here in this other area with another person until you go and accomplish your piece of the puzzle. You understand? And so oftentimes, it's very tied together. And I know this seems weird, but I think even in generations, things that people did last generation, they had to do so that we could do. You know, like, I think it's all tied together in crazy ways. So that's what God is looking for, is people who are delightful and highly skilled, who know how to use the gifts that Jesus gave to them in a way that helps advance the kingdom of God. Amen? And so my challenge to you guys today is wherever you are in that spectrum, okay, um, I want you to first completely take down the thinking that, well, I think I have this type of gifting, but that would have to look like this. Okay, just smash it to the ground. Doesn't have to look like that at all. And you probably do have that type of gift because Jesus gave it to you and he's pumped about the gift that he gave to you. And he wants you to develop it. So then the big question is, okay, I, you know, I 
sell houses, I clean things, I work in a hospital, I teach school. How, what is apostle doing with selling houses? God, how does that work together, right? But you have to be willing to go on the journey with God, to ask questions and say, okay, you gave me this gift, I love it. I don't really feel comfortable saying that this is my gift, but I want to because I know you have a ton of tasks for me and my life, and I want to honor you with everything that I am, even though I'm doing this currently, you know? And then journey with God and let him speak to you and then let him whisper to you something to train on and let him whisper to you a little project to do. And if you will just say yes each time and just take a little step each time, and if you'll just keep moving forward, you're going to fully complete the tasks that God gives you, and you're going to come back to God and be like, hey, that was cool. What do we do next? And he's going to give you another one, and then another one, and another one. And before you know it, you're going to be taking huge steps in the kingdom of God in the most beautiful ways, regardless of what you do for your living. You know what I mean? You're going to be advancing the kingdom of God in the most powerful, beautiful ways. Okay? So that's the goal. That's what I want us all to be striving for and, and going after. Spend time with God journal with him, ask him great questions. If you're not sure which of these gifts is yours, then start asking him questions. If you are sure which one is yours, say, how in the world does this connect to my life today and what am I supposed to do to move forward in the kingdom of God? Amen? All right, we're going to turn on some music. Do you want to? Uh, no, she doesn't want to anything. Stand up with me. <laughs> I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to make another announcement. All right, Lord. So we just thank you. We thank you for these gifts that you've given the church. We thank you for the way that you think. We thank you for um, your brilliance. We thank you for the tasks that you have for us to do. We thank you for the adventures that we get to go on. We thank you that when we're doing things for you that make no sense, they make perfect sense in your kingdom. And that you love it when we delightfully say yes and we do those things with high skill. God, we just love you. We want to be highly skilled in the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We want to do the work that you've given each of us to do. We want to help bring the body of Christ to perfect maturity so that we can party with you in eternity at that beautiful wedding feast in Jesus' name. So God, help us. And we give you permission to come and whisper and come and speak and come and move things around in our life so that your way with these scriptures is happening consistently and we're moving things forward in Jesus' name. And all the people said... Amen. Amen, amen.